this episode of What's the Hazard is being brought to you by these incredibly generous true believers in workplace safety and health. And I am truly grateful for their support. Custom Concrete Specialists, CCS Group, and Cheyenne Wolford. My buddy Jim Cover down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group. Jim and all of his consultants. John Falowich and Falowich Construction Services. And our latest sponsor, Building Omaha. Building Omaha is a partnership between the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the IBEW, and the National Electrical Contractors Association, NECA. They pair highly trained electrical professionals with industry contractors to ensure they're able to serve customers safely and effectively. Building Omaha, the partnership that powers our city. Learn more at buildingomaha.org. Thank you all. We appreciate your support. All right, now let's get into this episode. Uh, this is Doug Fletcher, and you are listening to What's the Hazard? Uh, watching, listening, whatever medium you've chosen for the day, um, welcome. We appreciate your um, patronage, or whatever the hell I'm trying to say, your viewership. Um, just me today, first time for a video solo, and I have no idea where to look, so if we meet eyes occasionally, great. If not, um, cut me some slack. Um, I'm going to talk just briefly today about training. I, I get asked about... OSHA regulatory requirements for training all the time. Uh, it's a very common question and a very confusing answer. And so I thought we would spend a little bit of time talking about that today. Um, and just a uh, little scenario. I was asked to do some training for a company a few weeks ago. Um, they wanted to do three or four hours of safety training, talk a little bit about general uh, working safely philosophies, uh, as well as a little bit of regulatory information. And so I prepared some stuff, spent some time on it, drove out to this company. Uh, it was a construction company, and I typically don't enjoy doing training for construction companies. Um, oftentimes, uh, the uh, employees of construction companies aren't interested in training or being trained. They may not necessarily uh, receive training well. I mean, just think about that. These are guys that are typically out working. Uh, they're on their feet, they're swinging hammers, they're working with tools, and now we're putting them in a chair and we're asking them to sit and be attentive for a few hours, and it, it is incredibly difficult for them to be trained, and so as a trainer, it's incredibly difficult as well when your audience is not engaged in what you're talking about, like uh, like right now, for example. Um, so I get out there, and uh, I this is not a client of mine, it's a company that I had not worked with before. They had probably 150 guys sitting at tables and chairs that had been arranged in a gymnasium. So if you can picture this, it's we're in a basically a community gym from one basket to the other. We've got tables and chairs set out, which frankly is good. I've been in situations where the employees just stand for the entire duration of the training, which is horrible. So these guys were at least sitting and, um, but whatever the dimensions of a basketball court is, they were from one end of the court to the other. And the speakers are up front, got a little table. There's a little projector where my laptop sits, and we're shooting PowerPoint slides onto a concrete block wall. Okay, so if you can picture this, just basic white concrete wall. Um, And about six feet up the wall, there's a transition into this weird kind of uh, wainscoting type stuff on the walls. It's almost like ridges. So it's got texture. And so the PowerPoint presentation about the bottom half of it is on a smooth concrete wall. And the top half of it is on this weird corrugated metal surface. Okay. So 
if you're sitting right in front of the projector, you can probably make out the images on the slides. But if you're off to the side, you're kind of seeing the bottom half of the picture flat. The top half is on this weird corrugation. And uh, not ideal, right? Not ideal. And so um, I'm looking at this arrangement. There was a speaker before me. I kind of watched the speaker before me. And it was boring shit, of course, you know. And um, I'm looking around the room, and about half the guys have their heads down. They're sleeping, or they're at least, you know, taking a nap or something. This is in the morning. Um, it does not bode well for my training session. Um, I get up there, and I set up my laptop. I'm shooting my, you know, my presentation on the wall just to try to get an idea. You know, you've got a screen about the size of this table, maybe. So these guys are, some of them are 100 feet away from me. Uh, looking up at this projection and um, not ideal. And then one of the one of the people from the company comes up and says, "Hey, by the way, uh, about half our guys don't speak English, so I was wondering if you would mind being translated." And I'm thinking, um, "Well, my my presentation is really not very amenable to being translated. I mean, I I'm a stream of consciousness guy. When I talk, um, I had some stories that I was going to share in the beginning. We were going to just talk about working safely in general terms." The afternoon session was some regulatory stuff, so we were going to go through slides of regulatory information. So I said, no, I don't want to be translated. I don't like to be translated. I don't think that's a great way to train. And so they kind of stared at me like, well, what the hell are we going to do? And I'm like, well, so I did the first part of my presentation in this gymnasium to a a group of people, half of which didn't speak English. And um, as you would expect, most of them uh, just sat there and either stared at me or they were looking at their phones or they put their heads down, whatever the case might be. And so I I was just, you know, thinking about this and just, you know, this is one of those sessions where we're just checking a block on a form, right? We have to do this training. We send around a roster. All of the employees are expected to sign this roster. They do so willingly because that's the expectation and now they've just basically indicated that they've received this training and um you know the company is in a position where they can check this block and go forward and i was just thinking about you know this is this is really horrible these guys are not they're not getting anything out of this right um and as a former osha guy i know that this is not adequate and so i've got this conflict going on in my mind that you know, we're going through these motions, we're pretending to do this, but it is certainly not effective training. And so OSHA's expectation is that training be provided in a language that employees can understand, certainly, that, that seems reasonable, and at a level of comprehension that they can, get, they can get, you know, something that they will understand, they can comprehend. So if we're talking about electrical safety or something, or lockout tagout, or maybe one of the more technical uh, regulatory requirements um, that they can understand it, that, that we're not talking over their heads. And so, you know, the first half of the training was really difficult because I knew most of the guys didn't understand. And uh, we broke for lunch, and they brought in a nice lunch, and the guys perked up, of course, because now they've something that they're interested in. And they had a nice lunch. Uh, we came back after lunch, was, which is always difficult, you know. sit, You know, you've just eaten, and now you're going to sit there and listen to more safety shit, you know. So that's always difficult. And I did use a translator for the second half because we were talking about regulatory information. So each slide could be spoken in English and then translated. And that helped a little bit. But, you know, I mean, you know, and and to the company's credit, they were trying. I mean, 
it is probably very expensive to assemble a group of 150 employees for a half a day or a full day. You know, you're paying them their wages. You're, you know, you're not getting any work accomplished. So I get it. But uh, it was frustrating to me because I've been seeing training done like that for years and years. I, I can remember going into a, a facility one time. It was, a, again, an, a large construction company. They had about 100 guys. And they were just standing around the perimeter of this warehouse. And so I was standing in the middle of this warehouse on the floor with no microphone, no PowerPoint, no, you know, no uh, materials of any kind. And these guys are standing around me in 360 degrees. And so I literally have to walk around in a circle and turn and then, you know, try to address this group. And again, we're checking a block. We're getting some training done allegedly but I know and you know that we're really not accomplishing anything and so you know this this is a frustration I've had uh, for a long time I some companies I've got a you know buddy Denny McFadden out at Paulson in Cozad they they built an incredible training facility it's comfortable it's well equipped it's state-of-the-art they can bring their guys in there and actually accomplish some training and um PML, one of my other clients, they built a really nice training room for their employees. I mean, and and plus they have a warehouse immediately adjacent to that, so you can go out and do some hands-on training as well, which the vast majority of these guys would prefer. So I guess you have to ask yourself, when it comes to training, are you just trying to check the block? If so, okay. I mean, at least you've admitted that. Or are you trying to accomplish something? And if that's the case, I think we need to... Uh, step back and consider, you know, what these guys are getting, what kind of information we're providing and how we're doing that. And so I suggested the employer after this that, you know, that you need to split into two groups. You need to have a Spanish language group. You have have to have an English speaking group. You need to do the training in that fashion. This really isn't the ideal way to train these guys. And obviously they were struggling to get anything out of it. So, um, that's a tough one. Um, I, I understand the expense of bringing guys in 10 at a time out of the field and trying to do actual effective training, um, but, but we owe that to them, and that's, that is certainly the expectation. Um, I get a question a lot about what does OSHA require annually? What is annual training? And, you know, that's a great question. OSHA, they used to publish a, a document um, – a number of years ago, you can find, still find it online. If you went in and Googled OSHA annual training, you would get this document, and it basically breaks out every regulation, and it talks about the programming requirements. Is there a requirement for a program? Is there a requirement for a written program? Is there a requirement for training, retraining, annual training, the frequencies, those kind of things? But that requires you to go through this document regulation by regulation and determine what applies to you? And, and uh, you know, so everyone wants the shortcut. I get calls all the time asking me for the shortcut. Is there something that just tells me what I have to do annually? You know, what programs I have to have? And OSHA has not published a document like that, unfortunately. You know, maybe they do that on purpose so that we have to get into the regulations and dig around a little bit. But they don't have a document that summarizes all of that. I've Googled it, and I have found a few um, safety and health organizations that have attempted to publish something, but every time I look at those and scrutinize those, in my opinion, they're wrong. They're not accurate, and so there is nothing that you can say unequivocally covers everything. 
I think to some degree it does require us to get into the regulations and dig around, but let's talk a little bit about annual training. Um, There are some regulations that require annual training. Hearing conservation, you know, occupational noise exposure requires an annual training. So if you have a hearing conservation program, you need to train the employees that are covered by that conservation program annually, okay? Haswapper, Haswapper Refresher is an annual training requirement. Uh, If I was part of a 40-hour Haswapper team, I would be required to receive some type of retraining annually, an update, okay? Respiratory protection, that has an annual training requirement. Um, Lockout tagout, everybody, you know, I think people assume that lockout tagout requires annual training. Um, It does not, but it does require periodic inspections, And if we identify deficiencies through this periodic inspection process, we're then required to update that training. And so if we're doing that annually as we're supposed to, there could be a necessity to do annual training as a result of those findings. Portable fire extinguishers, that's an annual training requirement. Uh, Fixed extinguisher systems, if you have employees that are responsible for inspecting or maintaining your fixed extinguishing systems, They are expected to be trained annually on those um, elements, okay? You know, mechanical power press operators are supposed to be trained annually. So if you are covered by 1910-217, you would do that training annually. Grain handling has an annual training requirement. Uh, And then the expanded health standards, if you are covered by any of those, lead, arsenic, asbestos even, and there are a number of those expanded health standards, they typically have an annual training requirement. Bloodborne pathogens, okay? So if you have employees where there is reasonably foreseeable occupational exposure, you have included them in your exposure control plan. That requires annual training. Uh, and then last and perhaps least but not, not unsightable would be, you know, the access to exposure and medical records. There is a requirement that if you do maintain exposure records or medical records for your employees, you have to train them on an annual basis that they are entitled to access that information. And I can remember when I was working for OSHA, um, if we were behind on inspections or we were low on violations, maybe our violations per inspection was low, the boss would uh, shake his head, you know, what, what, you know, what are you missing out there? Well, you know, I mean, if I'm finding an incompliance, if I'm finding a, a company that's doing well and I want to give them an incompliance to encourage that, but we're behind on in on citation numbers, um, he would want us to issue citations for, he would always ask, did you look at access to employ, you know, to exposure and medical records? And I'm like, oh, shit, really? I mean, that, that was a painful one to issue a citation for. But in the absence of anything else, you know, that, was, that would be kind of the go-to thing, unfortunately. So, um, things that I didn't mention, hazard communication, that's a big one. That does not have an annual training requirement. Uh, most companies review it annually because, uh, you know, if anything changes in your workplace, you would be expected to update that training. I didn't mention confined space entry. Uh, man, that's a significant program. If you're covered by confined space entry... You know, there are a lot of significant issues associated with that type of uh, work practice. And so probably warrants training annually, but again, it's not required. So um, I think what you need to do is identify the regulations that apply to your workplace. Of course, that's what we're expected to do. 
determine what the training frequency is based on the regulatory requirement, and then determine what the training frequency should be based on the level of significance to your work environment. You know, are these significant hazards in our workplace? And if so, we probably need to train annually. So it's very common that I see people doing monthly training. They will put together a training calendar, maybe 12 months a year, and each month will be one or two topics, and they will train on those. And each each year, that same month will be that topic again. So maybe January is hazard communication, and then every January they will do hazard communication. Maybe February is going to be hearing conservation and respiratory protection, and then every February they will do that. In OSHA's view, annual is within 365 days typically. So um, if you do training in January of this year and then want to catch it again in December of next year, that's not really considered annual training by OSHA's definition. You haven't met that 365-day um, requirement. And so just keep that in mind. So it, it's reasonable to put together a monthly training calendar and consistently hit those same topics each month. I think if you're doing that, then you can argue that you are meeting that 365-day obligation, even if it's within a week or two of being accurate. So, um, so training frequency is important, and you're going to have to determine for yourself what the appropriate training frequency is. There are a lot of regulations that have a retraining expectation. So if you observe something, you know, an employee maybe who obviously doesn't understand the, the requirements of the, of the regulation or of the training that they've been given, um, we're expected to intervene and retrain on those things. And it may not have an annual training requirement, but retraining is something that we're expected to do when we have incidents or when we observe deficiencies, things like that. So... Uh, the other, the last part of that, I guess, is how do you determine comprehension? How do I determine whether or not the employees actually understood anything I've just talked about? And, you know, that is a really tough one. Um, and do I even need to do that? Not all of the regulations require that. They don't all call for that. But I think if we are intent on actually doing effective training, we need to have some mechanism for evaluating the effectiveness of that training. And so some companies use a quiz, right? You know, at the end of the training, they'll give the employees a quiz. Um, I don't know if they grade it, and I don't know if they have a, you know, a, a threshold where you pass or you fail and have to retake it. Most of the time, they just sit there and go over the answers at the end of the training. Everybody fills it out. Everybody changes their wrong answers to correct answers. Everybody gets 100%. We put it in a file somewhere, and we go on. And again... You know, that's possibly better than nothing, but I'm not sure that you've really done an effective job of determining how well the training was received, right? So how are we going to do that? Um, man, sometimes it's out on the floor. Sometimes you're out on the floor observing, watching to see if they are following, you know, the guidelines of what we talked about in the training, see if they did understand. Um, and again, if you see deficiencies or deviations from the training, that's either an indicator that they didn't understand it or we didn't communicate it well or something like that, right? So um, it's just like when you do audits, when you do inspections of your facility and you see the same things recurring over and over again, that, that has to be an indicator to us that our training has not been effective or our communication of that information wasn't effective in some way. So there are a lot of signals to us in the work environment 
whether or not our training has been effective. And, it, and it's not necessarily just because we've had an accident, right? There are other indicators. So, but I, I, th- I think we do need to be taking some steps to determine whether or not the training has been effective. So, um, and man, I, by no means am I a good trainer. I, I understand that I've done a lot of training over the years and um, I know that it's not necessarily always effective. I think most of our employees prefer some kind of a hands-on type of training. You know, these are employees that oftentimes work with their hands, certainly the construction guys, but even on the industrial side, they are out there. These are people that work for a living, and they probably don't sit on their ass and receive training the same way a bunch of administrative people might. You know, the college crowd probably is better suited to that type of training. The working crowd probably needs some hands-on. They need this, some visuals. You know, they need more than just some asshole standing up front shooting through PowerPoint slides, which is what I've spent a lot of my life doing. So um, it's complicated. You know, I wish there was a a reference I could send you to or a sheet of paper that broke all this down. But the reality is each of us is for our own companies is going to have to go through the regulations that we believe apply to us, uh, determine whether we need a program or not, uh, determine whether we need a written program, determine how we're going to do our hazard assessment for that particular activity, that particular regulation. There are, there's always going to be some training requirement, inevitably, for every regulation. Is it going to be required annually or periodically? And set up our own schedule based on that information. So um, every time somebody calls me and asks me this question, I tell them I can't give you the answer because, you know, it's going to vary uh, dependent upon your company and your company needs. So uh, that was a long way of saying I can't answer that question. So, hey, look, um, the training thing is tough. There are a lot of nuances to it. Everybody's different in how they like to be trained, how they uh, are more effectively trained. This this is really tough. Um, So I, I think... The important thing is just keep in mind that we're either checking a block because we feel obligated to do that or we're actually trying to communicate something to our employees. And you need to determine which of those is more important to you and then figure out a way to do that effectively. So um, that's all I've got for today. Um, You know, keep looking at this. Our employees deserve our best efforts when it comes to this training. Um, It's almost inevitable that if we don't have good procedures, we're going to have problems. If we have inadequate procedures, we're going to have problems. And if we have inadequate training, we're going to have problems. And so this is something that we really need to focus on and do our best. So keep up the good work. Have a great weekend. I'll have an actual guest in studio next week. So you won't have to stare at me the entire time, or I won't have to stare off into space or whatever I've been doing for the last 15 minutes. So thanks, Cam. Have a good weekend, buddy. We'll talk to you later. A Media Production.